You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 357. I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. And boy, we've got a great show for you today. My first ever Dancing with the Stars Pro on this podcast. It is with Cheryl Burke. She just restarted a new podcast this week called Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. Check it out. But before that, listen to this podcast. We dive a little bit deeper into Cheryl Burke, the woman. And we'll get to all that momentarily. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So yeah, first ever Dance with the Stars Pro I've ever had on the show, and this is a show I've watched since the very beginning. I've just never really reached out to anybody. I don't know why. I'm just sometimes I just don't understand some of the things that I do and don't do. I it's not like I you know look. I also don't think a lot of them would come on, but maybe now that one is through the door, as Cheryl said, you heard her. At the, you'll hear her at the very end say she really enjoyed. Uh, the podcast, she liked that I did my homework, and she would recommend me to other pros on the show. So, yeah, I'd love to use her to get other people from the show on and use her, you know, uh, recommendation. That'd be great. But I don't know why I haven't reached out to others. Just, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that she was the first because in my mind, and you'll hear me talk about this in the podcast, she was like the first one of the women dancers, the women pros that I was like memorable. And I think that goes for a lot of people because Sheridan came on the show in, in season two and then she won season two. And then she came back for season three and won season three. So she was literally the most popular known. She was the most known woman pro on the show because her first two seasons, <laughs> she took home two mirror ball trophies. So, yeah, she was on everybody's radar, and I just found her fascinating. And then I, you know, as you listen to this interview, you'll find out more about her past. If you don't know, trigger warning: there is sexual abuse uh, in her past, so be ready for that. She was an alcoholic for a long time. She's been sober five years now. She's been very open talking about that, and she's been very open talking about her divorce to Matthew Lawrence. So. It was just somebody I've always wanted to have on, reached out in May, 
PR person said, I'll get back to you this summer. I'm like, great. <laughs> no, they won't. And they did. And said, let's record it and air it after. Can you air it after her podcast launches? We think it's going up on September 18th. And I was like, great. So we recorded it last week, airing it today. And I can't wait for you all to hear it because literally one of my favorite ones. So um, I appreciate Cheryl coming on and being so open and honest and not just talking about all the positive things that have happened uh, in her life. The Daily Roundup today, I forgot to mention that I mentioned it yesterday, but I forgot to mention it today. Joey's season began filming Tuesday night at the mansion, and today's date, first date of the season, assuming it'll be a group date, is a public date. I don't know if this is going to be a public date where people are not allowed to have their phones on them and they're not allowed to take pictures or videos, but we'll find out as the day goes on if that is the case. But Joey's season is underway. Obviously, I don't know who's been eliminated on Tuesday night yet. We don't. We all we know is thirty-two women were on the Bachelor Facebook page. Probably two to three of them at the most get cut, and so Joey will start his season with probably twenty-nine or thirty women, and then just by the way things have gone in past seasons, probably looking at seven or eight women that didn't get roses on Tuesday night and are already home. And as I find out stuff, I will post it, and we'll kind of take it from there and see. Who got eliminated? And obviously, if things go on during the season and stuff gets out during the season or I find out why they're where they're traveling to, I'll release that. Remember, on night one, remember Leah, who we met at the uh, live after the final rose show? We know that she was given a card that she is going to bring with her out of the limo on Tuesday night, and she's going to read that card, and it's going to be something. As I said, I think I spoke about this with Game of Roses, with Chad and Lizzie. I said, look, the fact that Jesse Palmer, and look, I understand Jesse Palmer is the king of hyperbole sometimes, but the fact that Jesse Palmer said this is going to be like a game changer and stuff like that, I don't think this is something that's necessarily like positive. Like, hey, this card allows you to, um, I don't even know, something positive. I, I, I do think it's got a negative connotation to it. Not necessarily like, oh, it's so bad. I just think it's got a negative connotation to it because the way they promoted it just didn't seem like it would be all for positive because it wouldn't be game-changing if it's like, hey, you get 10 extra minutes at him with a cocktail party. Like, what's game-changing about that? Really nothing. So I have a feeling it's got some sort of negative connotation to it. Hopefully I'll find out soon enough exactly what the card is that Leah had to read once she came out of the limo and what it was. So I'll update you on that. If I find anything else out, dates coming today, group date is a public date. Maybe stuff will get out. Maybe it won't. Monday is another public date. Wednesday is another public date. So three public dates in the first week. And then my guess is they leave after three episodes, they leave LA and we'll head out of town next weekend. So be on the lookout for that. The other thing that'll tell you if they're out of town is where Jesse Palmer is. We know that Jesse Palmer is calling the Colorado-Oregon game in Autzen Stadium this Saturday. So that means that we knew Rose Ceremony number 2 would not be on Saturday. It means he's going to fly back home after the game, and Sunday is Rose Ceremony number 2, which means dates next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two of those public dates, Monday and Wednesday. Thursday would be Rose Ceremony number 3, and then they're headed out uh, of 
Los Angeles, my guess is usually because they usually do three episodes in L.A. My guess is they head out of Los Angeles next Friday or Saturday and head to wherever. So hopefully I'll find out before then or during where exactly they're headed to uh, for travel this season. And it's just there's so much stuff going on because next Thursday, a week from today, you've got Golden Bachelor starts airing and then two hours of bachelor in paradise right after that all the while the bachelor is filming so there's going to be a lot of content bachelor bachelor in paradise golden bachelor related i still have not found out who gary picked between oh shit who were the two people that made it to the end i know faith got eliminated third it was leslie and oh leslie and Teresa. i don't know who he picked yet i have heard rumblings but Nothing that I could feel confident, uh, even though I've got a 50-50 shot of being right. I, I'd like to get a little more confirmation before uh, I run with it. I did hear one thing. Someone did tell me, oh, I heard Gary picked so-and-so, but it wasn't like when I followed up with my questions of, how do you know this? Where are you hearing this from? I, I, I didn't get the answers that I wanted. So we don't know just yet, and uh, as soon as I know, I will let you know, as I always do. So Keep that in mind, but uh, yeah, we've got a lot of Bachelor content coming. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Need fresh groceries for the week but don't have time to go to the store? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door because you've used DoorDash in the past and you've trusted them with your favorite restaurants. Now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers as well. Thousands of grocery stores to choose from. You'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with every order. You get exactly what you ordered or they will make it right. So sit back, enjoy quality groceries, just like you picked them yourself. Now you can get a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Check that out. With easy substitutions right in the app, best in-class customer support, DoorDash. Delivers groceries exactly how you want it. For me, this has been a game changer. I did it when I tore my Achilles and I was home for three months. The amount of groceries I had delivered to me was astounding. And it was just so helpful. Because when you're at home and you're injured, the last thing you really want to do is get up and do anything. And to have my groceries delivered to me was, I mean, chef's kiss. How can you beat that? You can't. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code REALITYSTEVE at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Don't forget, that's promo code REALITYSTEVE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter that promo code REALITYSTEVE. And also, this podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. 100% of their seafood meats in the Monterey Bay Aquarium, Seafood Watch rankings of certified best choice or good alternative. With Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. They deliver everything you need to eat clean the easy way for the rest of the summer. Feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great, too. You know me, not much of a cook, but these 
Green Chef Meals makes it so easy to cook. The Crispy Southern Chicken, I always change my rankings of which ones I like the best. Crispy Southern Chicken is the best one. I, I know I change it, and maybe next time when I do another read, I'll have a different one, but right now, I don't think so. I don't think anything's going to beat the Crispy Southern Chicken. It comes with uh, mashed potatoes, green beans, and tomato. Less than 30 minutes to cook. The instructions are right there. They give you every ingredient you need to cook it. It's so easy to make, and it is so delicious. All you got to do, go to greenshift.com slash 60realitysteve and use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off plus free shipping. That is greenshift.com slash 60realitysteve and use code 60realitysteve to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 357. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, it is an honor uh, to bring in this woman. She is a two-time Mirrorball champion in the 25 season. She competed on Dance with the Stars. She just launched a new podcast this week called Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. It is Cheryl Burke. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So there's a lot to get to here, but I want to first off start with the main thing of the fact that you are launching a new podcast, just started this week, called Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. Like I mentioned in the beginning, Exactly what made you trans, uh, you know, kind of move into this realm? I, you've had a podcast in the past, but how is this going to be different and what can fans expect out of this podcast? Yeah, well, I've had two, I've been fortunate enough to have two podcasts prior to this with iHeart um, Media, radio, uh, however you want to say it, so many different iHearts. But um, basically, I, you know, at the end of the day, a dancer's life is very long, right? So, um, after 26 seasons of Dancing with the Stars, I'm including juniors. Um, it, it's time that I use uh, my voice, I think, instead of my body <laughs> to express how I feel. Because, uh, you know, with all the, you know, physical and mental, uh, you know, the load on Dancing with the Stars, and after 26 seasons, it was time for me to hang up my shoes as I'm sure you know, I retired last season. And I just know so much of the sex lies and spray tans that happen <laughs> behind the scenes and i know that the fans especially the loyal ones you know with with a good manner mind you like i, I will forever be a cheerleader for dancing with the stars i'm not here to badmouth them by any means but there is some stuff behind the scenes that i want to hear from my you know the celebrities that have been on the show and my guests and you know we have people from trista sutter who was the first ever eliminated celebrity on Dancing with the Stars back in season one. I wasn't even a part of that. And then we have Heather Morris who reveals why she feels she got eliminated early. And like, there's a lot of stuff that because it's so quick, this live show is like a machine over there. You don't really get a chance to hear everything from the dancers, especially the dancers, but also the celebrities. Yeah. I mean, there's so many stories that have come out that, you know, some we don't know to be true. Some, you know, might be about hookups and all this stuff. But the other thing being is that because the show has gained so much popularity over the years, the pro dancers ended up becoming almost the stars of the show. I'm sure you've heard that over the years as well. Mm -hmm. Like it's dancing with the stars because people like yourself, like Derek, like Val, you know, those people end up becoming the more bigger, the bigger name because they're there every season, whereas the celebrities come in and out and it's just a new cast every year. Just like we got, right. we're recording this on Wednesday. The new cast for season 32 was just announced this morning. And when you look at it on the outside, it's kind of the same type of people that get on the show 
every year. You got a Disney person, you got an athlete, yep. you know, it's the same yep. kind of deal, but you guys are the mainstay. So you guys become the story sometimes. And yeah. you know, you've, you've been on the, you know, like I said, you did 25 seasons of Dance with the Stars, one season of junior. When you came on in season two, that was your first season. You ended up winning season two uh, and season three with, with Drew and Emmett. Did you ever think in a million years we'd be talking about season 32 of Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> no. And it's funny, going back to what you said, you know, I had Max on as uh, one of my guests and he was like, we were like the cast of friends, you know, like there's a comfort in knowing that you're going to see your favorite pros come back on the show. And he's right. Like sometimes it takes, you know, me retiring or being out of the show, like in Max's case, you know, he hasn't been on for a while. So he has a different perspective. And it was really interesting to have that conversation with him. But no, I, you know, going back to what you just said as well, you know, I plan on having Tom Bergeron on soon. But he um, said to me back when Larry King, rest in peace, we were doing his, uh, his show. And this was like season four. And I asked him, how long do you think this show is going to last? And he goes, oh, probably just till season six or seven. <laughs> and then like now, you know, you're heading into season 32, I think it is, or yeah. 33. Is it 32 or 33? You know better. 32 was this morning. Yeah, I think that was the case. Okay. Yeah. Well, like that is insane. And I don't see them slowing down anytime soon. So, yeah. I mean, why would it? Um, you know, last year they did the one, was it last year or even the year, season before, the change up to go to straight, you know, streaming? Yeah. Which was interesting. And now it's already back on ABC after one year. So they've changed right. that. But yeah, season 32 yeah. cast announced this morning. I don't know. You were on it for as long as you were. What do you think? was the show's staying power? Like, why do you think it resonated to be on for 32 seasons? Well, I mean, you could speak to this since you've seen almost every season yeah. you said, but yeah. like, honestly, it's a family show. It's wholesome, but yet it's not. There's just enough drama to where you can still say that this is a family show, though I don't know about these costumes. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> yeah. is this a really a family show? Yeah. But like, it is whole, good, wholesome fun. Like, it is. But like, what people don't know, which is why I think this podcast is going to be so interesting, is like the amount of work that goes on for just 90 seconds of a performance. Well, I mean, I that was one of my questions I was going to ask you was I've heard different stories over the years. There were some partners that didn't want to practice at all and some that were adamant about it. On the right. average, obviously you had different 25 different partners. On the average, show performance money is Monday night. Now granted in the beginning seasons you had the results show on Tuesday, but Yes, yeah. No, and you know, in later years they've they've canceled that and it's basically just a Monday yeah. show. So right. show ends on Monday night. From Tuesday until Sunday, what was the average hours put in a day with your dancer? It's seven days a week. So this is what you're going to hear on Sex Lives and Spray Tents as well. It's seven days a week. And as you progress through the competition, so first we start, let's go back. Let's start with the training period. Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. They get this all on camera. You know, at the end of the day, we only have, there's a new, it's not new, but it's newish, I guess, four hours at maximum because people started getting injured. For example, Jewel, the singer, was supposed to do the show and she had to bow out because of her injury during rehearsals. And before, prior to this, like back, I remember in season three with Emmett, we had like as many hours as we wanted. We had two days dances they threw at us and these trained six weeks prior to the premiere now it's only like two weeks if that obviously it takes time to get to good morning america that takes at least three four days out of the week right so it's not necessarily a full 14 days they have mandatory rules though during the training period that you need to take a day off 
and can't go past the four hour mark, right? So that is so that people don't get injured. Your body's in shock because at the end of the day, as fun as this may seem, we're smiling through it. All of us, including the pros, we're sore as shit. Like, sorry, I don't know if you can swear oh, yeah, you on can. your podcast. Oh, yeah. You but can. Um, <laughs> it, it is grueling. And then, you know, as the music gets longer, so you've done like, let's say week one through week four, it's one dance. For the first two weeks, you'll see your music. It'll be 60 seconds. And you're like, 60 seconds, that's it. It, as detailed as ballroom is, you might as well have run at us a five-minute routine because it is very, especially with no dance experience, you're learning how to walk, right? So the any hours that or any more time we can get, we'll get, you know, and we'll grab it. But then as, the, as you continue on and the couples get eliminated, they need to fill more time because it's a two-hour live show, and that means they have to extend either the, both the package that you see before that before we dance live and the dance itself. Every five seconds of the ad is probably another 15 hours inside the studio. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's... And then uh, when, when we do two dances a week, <laughs> then forget about it. There's no rules. I like, had we, no, we have to, like, we have to rehearse unless you want us to look dumb on live television. Yeah. I didn't know that they had uh, delimited it to uh, four hours a day. When did that start? Well, that, that, was, that was only for the training period. So that's okay. only a couple of weeks in. But still, like, even for the first couple of weeks, because there's so many couples, they put us in this, like, warehouse-type studio where there's only so many different rooms and you know at the end of the day they want everyone to rehearse there because they've got these special like robotic cameras ever since covid you know uh, basically the field producers are not in the studio with us they're in they're in the studio but they're not in the same room and they use these robotic cameras i'm not sure if they're doing it this season but i'm pretty sure they are because they they notice that they can get the reality of the situation i think more than if there's a producer and story assist there with us watching us gotcha i mean that's some really good that's some really good insight. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's so much – the stories that are going to come out of your podcast are going to be great. I mean, I, I can't wait to hear people like Tom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to make a headline every week. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know Tom has got his thoughts on how things yes. have changed. and um, Yeah. You know. And it's true. And, 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 by the way, this is just everybody's perspective, and let alone mine is enough for a whole season. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, this is a very – it's, I, again, I'm not going to bite the hand that fed me, right? Like, it, this is, I'm grateful. I am more, my, you know, I, props to Dancing with the Stars. Thank you for changing my life. But I think this is also important because I've always said this to the producers, like, we need to do like a Dancing with the Stars after dark or like after the show because there's so many feelings happening, right? There's a, a wave of emotions running through your body. There's certain, like, we work so hard that, of course, we take it personal when it comes to scoring or when it comes to being eliminated. Like, we have put our whole life, including our personal lives, on hold because damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like you have to commit. And when your celebrity walks in and he says or she says they want to win, they have no idea what they're asked for. Yeah. No, I mean this is this is something that I mean it's intense and you know, we, we know that there's a, a mirror ball at the end of this thing, but you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and your ego and your ego. Yeah. Your ego. Uh, you know, there is pay for, you know, the people that can, you know, of and course, we yes. all know about this, but I think it's just, you know, for 32 seasons, you watch it and I don't know, what is your take on the whole, you know, we talked about the, the, the kind of cast that comes up every season. You got your athletes, you got your Disney stars, uh, you've got some older television you stars. You actually have more actors now that they're on strike. Yeah. And now, so now I'm looking at it like this. Um, what has been your whole take throughout the years on, there's always at least, 
I don't know, I'd say one to three, maybe some seasons had four, where you had ringers, where you had people that not necessarily had dance any experience? background in dance, but they had dance oh. experience. Did you Yes. Did you like that or did you not like that? Well, look, I've had my share as well with so many different partners. But yeah. I like when my conversation with Heather, she will straight up like, and you have to listen. Like, it's shocking what comes out of her mouth because, like, there was, listen, these people are very comfortable with me. Sometimes we forget that we're being recorded. <laughs> but like, she also is like, look, this is why I think I got eliminated. It had nothing. Of course, she knows she has dance experience. Nicole Scherzinger had dance experience. I danced with AJ McLean. I have to say, and I said this to Heather, like as much shit she was getting for like being a backup dancer for Beyonce and being on So You Think You Can Dance, it is harder as a pro teacher as in ballroom to untrain the brain than it is to train somebody with zero dance experience because it's like it's like trying to shake a bad habit. It's really hard if you've ever tried or anyone has ever tried this. Like if you try and quit something, it's not easy. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. And, you know, there's people out there that, like I said, were really good. Heather Morris, great example. Backup dancer for Beyonce. It's just like, okay, she goes on this show. Now, she, I don't know what her background, I can't remember what her formal training was in, in ballroom and if she had any, but. No, she didn't have any. She none. did not at all. So, she, But none. she has rhythm. So once she does but learn ballroom. But so does, so does uh, uh, whoever his name is. Uh, what's his name again? Um, a lot, well, people like Emmett. For example, yeah, perfect example. He also had rhythm, but like, there's certain things you can't teach. Mm -hmm. Rhythm, I believe that you cannot teach how to feel the music because that's a feeling, and no one can tell you how to feel. Okay, that's one. It's called charisma, yeah. I believe. Then you've got the musicality. It's like you either, when you were a kid, like it's all about how you were raised. Were you raised around music? Were you? Did you go out a lot? Did you see your parents dance? Like. Is there a natural rhythm to, and are you aware of it? A lot of this is awareness, and most people, especially in the entertainment industry, not very aware. <laughs> you know that 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 term has gotten thrown out a lot. I think Carrie Ann uses that a lot as musicality, and I've never really, you know, just being an outsider, not a dancer myself, I've never really understood what they meant when they talked about musicality. Rhythm, rhythm. So it's like rhythm. musicality meaning like if there's a soft song, let's say you're dancing like a waltz, are you interpreting it with your body? Are you speaking the language of what this song and dance is telling you to do? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's better. Now I feel like I understand a little bit better. But if that is too technical, I can try and no, no, um, that's, bring it down a little bit. No, okay. that's good. Is it, does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, for example, are you going to throw a sharp, like, are you going to spin sharp in a waltz? Probably not. No. You want to have a lyrical movement toward, to, you want to basically, like, if someone were to watch you, you're interpreting this the music. So when the music goes soft, your body movement better be soft, right? Like, that's what musicality is. Gotcha. Okay. One of the things that I brought up earlier that I wanted to mention when I talked about the staying power of the show, and unfortunately we lost Len uh, a few months ago, uh, or maybe it was towards the end of last year. I think, I think Len Goodman being a judge for as long as he was on this show added a lot of credibility because while you had the fun judges with Bruno and his standing up and you know his act and his shtick and and Carrie Ann with her lifts, you just always had this mainstay of Len being there and being the guy that, yeah, somebody might have looked at him as the old curmudgeon, but he was such an integral part of the show. Um, give me your thoughts uh, on Len and how much that you probably enjoyed having him as a judge on the show. 
I've always been a number one fan of Len. Like I, I come strictly from the ballroom world, but first I just want to obviously pay my respects to uh, his family. Like this is devastating. It was really tough for a lot of us, especially yeah. the dancers who have been a part of the show for so many years. Um, you know, though he was from a distance and afar, like the judges don't hang out with us ever. It's still like he was part of the family. He was a staple. And I've always said this and Tom and I, you know, we're really close as well. But like we've always said, like if I've said if Tom and Len are not on the show, there's no show. Like I believe that Len is, first of all, I think what I think what the producer saw, which was appealing, obviously, was just his he's just so direct. But this is what it is in ballroom. Like you're getting a little taste of like the way we've been judged since we were kids. Like Len has judged me since I was a little girl, like when I started ballroom when I was 11. Mm. So like he knows what he's talking about and he is definitely, you know, never has been shy, too shy to say how he, how not so much how he feels, but what he sees because what he's saying is right. And now when people are like, oh, he's just so mean, just listen to what he's saying because it's valuable. Like what he's saying, and he's actually saying something that we can go back into the studio and really improve on. And that's what is going to be missed. I don't believe anyone can take his place. No. I just hope that the only ball, like the person with more, I would say not, I mean, look, Derek obviously has a lot of experience, but like at the end of the day, you know, let experience is experience. Len obviously was the most experienced out of everyone, right? Like with with the amount of years he's been doing it, let alone, right? He's done this before most of us were born, yeah. right? So at the end of the day, you can't beat experience or knowledge. Um, but I hope that Derek leans, I know that Derek's more on the creative side and that's his brain and he's amazing at what he does. But I would love to see, and this is where like our showrunner who has his, who's back now, Conrad Green, he was our, um, like uh, not original, original showrunner, but he loves the show. He loves ballroom. And I feel like with all these showrunners coming in and out of the show, it's just lost its identity for a second. And I think the only way to bring it back is to really focus on ballroom dances because that's a ch it's challenging. And that's enough. Like, we don't need to make this also so you think you can dance at the same time. Like, this is ballroom dancing. This is why Dancing with the Stars is a phenomenon. Stick to what works. And Derek, since he's the only one with, like, a little more knowledge than the other two judges, make sure you focus on the technique. Like, yeah. there's certain, there's a reason why these three judges are there. So, folk, like, stay in your lane. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, it will be interesting going forward. Obviously, there was a season in there, I think COVID season, where, where Len didn't get to judge because he had to stay overseas. But, yeah, there just hasn't been many seasons without Len, and now that we're going to see it going forward, it's just, yeah, it is it is going to be different. I I am glad that I heard that Conrad is coming back. Um, I mean, that's that's great for the show. Um, he was back last season. Was it last season he came back? Okay. Yes, yes. And I, you know, I'm glad they're back on ABC. The streaming... The streaming was interesting because when it went to a two-hour streaming show, I realized, okay, that's 40 minutes that you have extra. So it just gave the judges basically well, that more gave time us, to talk. It also gave us worse, more hours in rehearsal because <laughs> our music got longer. <laughs> I Okay, I didn't, even, I didn't even put that math together. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just, when it went to two hours, I was like, wait a second. I just watched a two-hour Dance with the Stars episodes episode with, with no commercials, yet it still seemed the same so i guess the judges talked longer or the backstage well, interviews were lasting four, longer they had four judges right because yeah. Len was there so and, and then and then they were allowed to do i guess longer backstage interviews after the dance 
There was, but our there dances was were longer. Like instead okay. of the minute for the premiere, it was like a minute fifteen, which just showed us like great. We have more work because yeah. there's no commercial. Um, you know, there's obviously you've had so many dancers, uh, you I mean, so many partners, and so many different iconic dances or whatever. I I know that I know that the the freestyle with Drew Lachey has been talked about as one of the best ever. I, I'm just gonna say this, and this is just my personal preference. Because I, I still don't know how you did it. The Zoom dance with Cody um, during when he, <laughs> he had COVID or you had, I can't even remember who had COVID. Right? I got, oh, I got it first. I got it. I got Delta when I was flying Delta for Cody. So. <laughs> okay. But the fact that you guys put on a Zoom dance and I swear I watched that dance probably three times. I kept rewinding it and I was like, there's no way they are staying in Thank step you. when they're not even in the same freaking room. And it Thank was you. it was unbelievable. How did you do that? How did you well, how did you practice all, it? How, how did you crappy, do it? How crappy were our scores? Like, hello, are you yeah. going to even say anything about the fact that we're in our living rooms? He's in New York and I'm in Los Angeles. Like, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're I, judging I us it. as if we were there on the dance floor and nothing happened. As if the package prior to that wasn't me saying I have COVID and that we're dancing in our freaking and. I was also the set director. I hung up my own lights. I had to get direction from the director. I had to put, they had to literally, they dropped off their camera equipment in my driveway, on my driveway. I lugged, I mean, like, I was a one woman show. Like, is anyone gonna say it? Like, that alone took, I did my own master interview. Like, I don't know if they could have done this with another dancer that maybe it was their first season. You know, I think they just tried this because they knew, okay, well, Cheryl kind of knows what she's doing, right? Like, I could do my, I could literally interview myself. I know exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like, how are we gonna make this creative? Like, we need to not just dance two solo numbers. Like, we need to look like, like, and that was the thing. That was more where I was leaning towards. It wasn't like, is my jazz routine freaking like amazing? Like, no, it's like, we're, first of all, I'm dancing on my, like in my living room, <laughs> in dance shoes on tile. I, yeah. Like I said. And I had Delta, like I was dying. <laughs> so all week with Cody, you, that's how you practice. Like he was on the other end of a oh, computer yeah, we and you're zooming. trying to tell him. Zoom. Yep. And I was yelling at him from my laptop screen. I, I, oh, and then not even this, but the, what they also didn't show was the next week we had two dances because it was Disney week or whatever because it was Monday and Tuesday. It was just for that special week. Yeah. I had to teach him again via Zoom, but they didn't show any of it. Yikes. That's, and, I mean, he, and we were able to get, and then we, when we saw each other, it was only a day before the live show. Like, that is, cr hello, <laughs> but that was another showrunner, so I'm not going to say anything, but hey, it is this. <laughs> I mean, and you, I mean, you still ended up getting third place with Cody, which was uh, which was amazing. Yeah, no, that was amazing. For yeah, the, for the, you got the pity vote. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for the longest time, I was just like, man, everything seems to be, uh, you know, kind of working against them. But I'm glad that people, and maybe, and maybe it was sort of like, man, we feel bad for them. It's not their maybe. fault that they got COVID. I don't want him out this week because he had to perform on Zoom. You know, maybe no. I always it. say this to my celebrities and to um, any celebrity that asks for my advice it's not ever you don't win based off who the best dancer is you oh, win no. because yeah. of the journey the journey that the audience connects with is the journey of the underdog yeah point blank like for example emmett smith he wasn't the best dancer that season mario lopez was and because he improved and you know len goodman always says this like or said it he said it's not about how you start it's how you finish 
And it's true. And this is why people vote for people because they want, they, they connect with them on a personal level. They want to root for them because they weren't amazing out the gate, but they really have either bonded with their partner. They've got great chemistry and they're working hard. Like people are not going to vote for the dancer. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? It's not, it's not, it's, it looks easy, right? Everything that we do, obviously that's the goal. Cause if we looked stressed when we were dancing, when I'm dancing and same with my celebrity, it would be very stressful to watch. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is, you know, Hollywood just in general, we like to root for underdogs. You know, you'd love yes, to root yes. the, the underdogs. Now there have been some of the ringers that ended up winning uh, the show, but a lot of the time, you will have the underdog story at least go very far. You very, like, very, very rarely did the underdog go out in week one or two. You know, it well, just, right, and but also you don't really know who the underdog is until like week five. Yeah, you know, you see it like someone like um, uh, uh, who am I blanking on for you that you had that lasted way longer than I think anybody. Jack Osborne, total underdog yes. story, or Rob Kardashian, Rob Kardashian, seconds, yeah, yes. Rob because, Kardashian was not the... you, Rob Kardashian got booed when we walked on to the floor for the first time because in our package it showed him being a little spoiled brat yeah. and I had to check him and people were not rooting for him but because you saw his progression you saw he started to love dance you saw that me and him became like best friends people love that it wasn't the dancing let me tell you yeah he was not you know just like you said with other people Rob Kardashian was not the second best dancer that season. But no, he was the first best dancer, actually, to be quite honest. <laughs> Do you think you, who won that season? Eventually. I, off, off the th- it was J.R. Martinez and Karina they won. That was third. Okay, so that was J.R. and Karina. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a I have a, a rapid fire Dancing with the Stars question that I want to save for a little bit later in the podcast. Oh, I but, do that on my show as well. That's <laughs> amazing. I love rapid fire. Okay, so we're going to get to that. at the. We're going to probably end with that. But now okay. that we've gotten through the Dancing with the Stars part of this podcast uh, until the end, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on and um, have admired you from afar for so long is because you've been so open about your childhood, uh, your journey through sobriety. And I think that's I think that's huge nowadays for somebody to come out with a voice like yourself who's been so open about talking about, I mean, really bad things that have happened in your life. And I kind of want to first start off with um, the story you've told, I believe it was on the Red Table Talk, uh, in, in regards to your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you... You know, from a time I think you were five years old, um, that mm-hmm. you you were groomed by uh, a mailman that babysat mm-hmm. for you, and this is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cr- it's crazy when I when I read this stuff and and listen to what you said in that interview. Um, you know, you said that you were you were never physically hurt by this man, but it was basically your definition of love, and that is so crazy to think of, and yet it continued on. You know, into 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 your dancing world, where you talk about it's very much a man's world. A man leads, woman follows, and that mm-hmm. and that's on and off the dance floor. You've had abusive partners, you've had abusive coaches. Then in high school, mm-hmm. you dated two men who were very physically and emotionally abusive towards you. I mean, that's mm-hmm. your formative years growing up. You were mm-hmm. involved in a lot of messy, in fact, unhealthy relationships. I mean, looking back on it now, how did you get through it? To be honest with you, like uh, you could have gone a, a completely different direction with your life with that growing oh. up with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going back to what you said when you said like a lot of bad things happened to you, of course, they weren't um, necessarily great memories. But what it did do was um, bring me to where I am today. 
I believe that with all of these traumas that have, you know, for me at least, um, it has shaped the woman I am today. Like that is the reason why I believe God has given me a platform or how, whatever you guys believe in, whoever, doesn't matter. There is a higher power. I believe that. And this is the reason why I'm sober and sitting here with you today. Because addic addiction, going back to that, it is a disease. And uh, so many people die from it every single year if you're not on top of your own mental health and your own recovery. And I truly, like there was a time when I was on the show and I just had this profound like, okay, wait, so I'm, there is a bigger picture, right? It's not just about, of course, it's about getting our celebrity to dance, but like the voice, people are starting to listen to what you have to say. And, you know, I have always been an open book and I thank my mom for putting me into therapy since I was a little girl, because I think without talk therapy, I wouldn't have been able to um, translate my feelings into words or my experiences into words, which is why I had originally used dancing and movement as a therapy, because mm. that was my way of communication. When I was, I would say from the moment I started, um, you know, I started dancing from four, but I switched to ballroom at 11 and then continued. And then I have to say dancing with the stars helped me create a voice for myself. And because like you mentioned, it is a man's world. Like I was never asked about my opinion. Like, what does Cheryl think? Like, there's no such thing back then. I'm not sure how it is now. I'm no longer in the competition circuit, but it is when you have, like for me, when I've been, uh, when I've been through so many different that it starts to feel like home, right? Because like my very first like traumatic event that happened to me was when my parents divorced. I was like two years old. And then from there, there was like no father figure. And then the father figure that came into my life was when my mom met my wonderful stepdad. And he's amazing. I call him dad to this day. But with that, they're both working like full time, right? Trying to provide and ballroom dancing isn't cheap. So without my mom's hard work, I wouldn't also be sitting here today. But with that, you know, you have to hire, you have to hire, you know, someone to help drive me around, drop me off at dance class. And on this unfortunate event, yes, I got sexually abused by this uh, retired mailman who actually had hired for his daughter with his previous wife and previous marriage. And so it was like, uh, once my mom and stepdad decided to like, okay, let's, let's move in together. So obviously it all came with all of that. And, and when I was a little girl, you know, my mom thought I was actually deaf. And so she brought me to a hearing specialist and the hearing specialist said, you know, no ma'am, she's just going through PTSD. And like, because mental health wasn't so talked about as mm. much and especially in the filipino culture my mom's filipina you don't talk about your problems like that shows as a sign of weakness you know there was no one like myself that was able that were that i wish i was able to look up to that could express you know the good the bad and the ugly basically and so that's why i am so open because i know for sure even if it only helps one person which i know it has because i read all of my messages then that's the reason why I share. You know, I don't share for anything other than that. Like I, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a certified therapist, but I do have a lot of experience. Yeah, I mean that's that's key in the fact that when you say that, talking about it openly, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and will realize that you know what, maybe I'm not alone in whatever journey no. that they're going through, and that's that's the biggest thing out of all and, this. And it also, people. absolutely, and it also takes the shame away. Yeah. 
you know, when you when you talk about this, um, you know, like I said, we just abusive emotionally and physically relationships growing up all through basically high school and I guess maybe into late teens, early 20s. When did the for you, when did the drinking begin? When I was 21, 21. OK. Yeah, so because like as a competitor, you know, I was living in Harlem at the time with my partner slash boyfriend before I even did Dancing with the Stars. But that was very it was short term. I was like 18 years old. You know, you you are not like for me, there was no I had there was no curiosity around um, drinking because I didn't know of it. Like I was living like a full on Olympian like it was I took I didn't go to college. I wanted I asked my mom if I could take a year off just to focus on dance. And that's when my dancing career competitively really took off. And. And, you know, with that, it, it's 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 not like what you see on Dancing in the Stars. It's no joke. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's constant training. We don't have a limit to hours. And we are also trying to make money at the same time by teaching. And so we live, breathe, eat, dance. Like that's it. And then we travel the world and then we do it again. And then there's so many there's competition every weekend, you know, and it's like you got to do the circuit. So it's there was no um, even thinking about it. But then coming to L.A., thinking I was just going to do one season and go back to Harlem. And then like, then with paparazzi, I danced with Drew Lachey my first season, which in at that time, it was when Nick and Jessica Simpson had just split up. Yeah. And so with that came a lot of, you know, paparazzi. And I am, though people are going to be like, yeah, right. No, I am actually an introvert and it, it takes a lot out of me to express myself through my words and to have the attention, like there, People are like, you're not an introvert. You dance in front of millions. That's it's just a different way of like me. My the equivalent of me dancing back then to what people may like may just talk like easily that flows out of their mouth. The English language is also it's equivalent. Like that was my way of communicating was through movement, you know. And it's hard to understand that, I guess. But you know, I wasn't used. To, I didn't sign up for the Hollywood life. I signed up because I was an expert at the time. You know, I still am. I would consider it. But like I was still learning, will always be a student. But the producers wanted me on as an expert and I was in my craft. Now, when I would ever whenever I would leave a studio and to see people jump out of bushes, it gave me so much anxiety. And I believe that was the reason why I started numbing out. Mm, OK, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's coming from your world of where you were to then like thrown into this tornado of, Oh wow. I'm in Hollywood and here's paparazzi. It's just, I, I, well, it's I not can something imagine. that I loved. Yeah. Like some people love it. Some people love it. I was hiding from it. Like it was, so, it made me so uncomfortable. So, so you start, so basically it started once you started on the show, you're drinking. Well, it was like, it started very casually. So okay. it was like, my father is an alcoholic though. I don't think it's hereditary. But like, you know, it was more about the anxiety that I was feeling and I didn't have any tools or resources to, and this was not, I wasn't in therapy, right? So I had basically not done therapy ever since my mom and I, or she took me out of it. So I had no awareness of it. I had no self-awareness for sure. And I, you know, I was also this shy little girl being thrown into a pool of sharks, basically with all of this Hollywood thing happening. And the show was at its height. Like yeah. it was when we had like Super Bowl ratings, right? So it was like 35 million views. And it was the number one show on primetime television. And I had happened to be there and I was very successful my first two seasons. And I was in the middle of Nick and Jessica's, you know, 
frenzy of like drama yeah. it was really crazy i wasn't even like there was no dipping a toe in it it was like everything it was like here you go hope you hope you're okay yeah, I mean, my, yeah. my early memories of Dancing with the Stars, when you talk about just the pros, because remember, it was also, it wasn't a 16-person cast in seasons two no, and three. It was so, like 10. Yeah, and, I, and you were the one that jumped out, because here's this woman who comes on, and she wins her first two seasons. Like, you won with Drew, and you right. win with Emmett. I'm like, you were the one that I met, you know, I think most people would be like, because back then, we were just like three seasons in. We don't know who these pros are, but you knew who Cheryl Burke was. Because she yeah. wins her first two seasons. So you're like right. probably the most popular pro at that time. You get yeah. to a point where you say like you're just you're just kinda numbing yourself. I, I guess my question would be, what would you consider your rock bottom when it came to uh your drinking? So I it's interesting because I said this on Red Table Talk as well. I you know, when people say rock bottom, they think, okay, well, you were arrested or you had to you had a horrific incident that happened to you and your whole life got taken away. No, my I believe my rock bottom was my success. It was the success and the attention that I couldn't handle, that I chose not to feel because I didn't know how to feel my feelings. Like I say, I'm a professional number. I I know how to uh, basically disassociate really fast. Because it was, in, by the way, thank God. Because when I was going through all this abuse, that's the reason why I'm alive still, right? Like, because if I actually felt my feelings back then, it wasn't a safe space. Like I would have, who knows, been thrown into the nearest Looney Tune. You know, like, I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, it was a protect, I was protecting myself and I was still continuing on. I was in fight, flight or freeze during this time. And I think that I couldn't handle it. My emotions got the best of me because if you never feel your feelings, like mind you, I just, I wouldn't say I'm finished, but I will forever heal for the rest of my life. I will forever be in the grieving process. Not saying that my whole life's depressing and all of that, but it takes time and everyone has their own process of grieving. And there's been so many incidents where I have chosen not to grieve or not consciously, but unconsciously. And instead, you know, when when the overwhelming feeling and who knows where it's coming from, it could come from when I was a kid hits me. That's when I hit the alcohol. Mm. Interesting. I mean, that it's most people, like you said, that is something to where it's like, oh, I was, uh, you know, I was found passed out uh, in, a, in a club or something like that. You know, it's like you, you hit that and yours was like, no, I was the opposite. I was just all the success yes. I was getting. I didn't know how to deal with it, you know, and I dealt no. with it by drinking. And it wasn't just that, mind you. It was also years and decades of numbing through all of this trauma. Yeah. So, I, you know, I guess I, I, one of the questions I had was, I, I don't I mean, I don't even know if this is, I'm just going to ask it. Were you, I mean, were there were there times where you showed up to rehearsal and or the show drunk? Never. No, I, I was hungover, but oh, not drunk. Okay. So you never drank before. It was always after. No, it was always after. Always yes. after. Okay. It was always after. Or it was like, look, I would be out, let's say, late at night and there was an early morning rehearsal. The thing, and I'm not trying to be funny, but like you do sweat it out. Like I'm a sweater when I am active. So like yeah. that was also my poison. It was the fact that I was detoxing during the day and I did it again seven nights a week for t a decade. Oh my gosh. So it went on for, oh, okay. So good on for a good 10 years. Uh, and did any, I'm just curious, did any, um, did any partner ever say anything to you? I mean, everyone joked. 
Like, I don't think mm. anyone, honestly, I don't, and it was not that, it wasn't like, cause every, some, it wasn't cause my family was like, we're going to have an intervention. You have a problem. I chose to be sober. So at the end of the day, it was like jokes like, oh, what did you drink last night? Tequila, vodka, or like, cause they smelled it coming out of my pores. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Cause I'm guessing if you were rehearsing and working off your hangover, it would be, uh, yeah. you know, your, your partner would kind of pick up on that the the smell but okay but uh, mind you my partner most likely was out with me so yeah. <laughs> good point <laughs> um i, I guess also like you have to understand that dancing with the stars is like summer camp and this is what max um when i had max on as a guest this is how he explains it very well like we we talked about the dancing with the stars curse meaning like i don't know if you ever heard of it it's like when the we talked more about like the bachelors like why is it that every mostly every bachelor um that comes onto the show is engaged and then they all of a sudden call it off <laughs> yeah. you know i talked about this with chris souls i actually had chris souls on um as well and you know it's they called it now the dancing with the stars curse and so it's like at the end of the day it's because we we're being thrown into this arranged marriage Okay, this is what it's like. Hi, nice to meet you. You're stuck with this person for seven days a week, and you're either going to get along or you're not. And it is black and white like this. Mm. And at the and because you're the celebrity, I also asked Max. I said, why do you? Who do you think falls in love first, the celebrity or the dancers? And he, well, you'll have to under, you'll have to tune in to find <laughs> out what he says. But he makes a good point that these celebrities are very vulnerable when they join the show. They have no clue what they're doing, and then they are being vulnerable with a stranger but then that turns into somebody that they trust in a fast in a little tiny period of time where it takes sometimes years if this was just a normal relationship let's say right so like with vulnerability with like success if you're doing great on the show of course you think it's not real but of course you think that you like your partner Right. When the partner, when like pro dancers are very used to this touch, like the intimacy of it, it's like, okay, yes, you see us. And I always say this dry hump on television. Yeah. But when it's when it, when it's over, when we're like hit that final beat, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you not. Know? It's just it's it's like song ends and this ends. This this and touchy this feely ends. stuff yeah. ends. And then I'm stressing about what am I gonna freaking do next week? Like literally. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I don't, you don't need to tell me what Chris said, but are you basically saying that, you know, at the time that Chris was on the show, he had just come off his engagement to, or he had just gotten engaged to Whitney on The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. He goes on the show. That's when they were doing two seasons a year. That was when they were doing mm -hmm. a fall and a spring season. He comes off, we see his finale, and all of a sudden Chris is announced as one of the competitors right. on that season. I'm not saying that Chris believed he was falling in love. I believe his partner was Whitney that year, right? Was it? Yes. Whitney? Yeah. yeah. It's so it's so confusing. Two Whitneys. Yep. Yeah. I don't believe he thought he was like in love with Whitney Carson, but are you saying it's all? It's almost like his relationship with Whitney Bischoff, his you know his bachelor engagement, just took a backseat to his relationship with his dancer, and then that kind of made it hard on both of them to pick back up once he was eliminated from the show? So this is a very good question. And this is the question I also asked Trista because I say to her, like, do you give advice? Do these bachelorettes, bachelors call you and ask, like, if they should do the show? She feels like she's like a mama bear, she said. And she goes with that, you know, and you're going to have to. <laughs> she's my first episode. So yeah. make sure you listen in because she is straight up telling you how she feels. And 
find out why she says she does not recommend anyone coming straight from Bachelor Nation to join Dancing with the Stars, and you'll hear why. And she has a very good point. And then with Chris Souls, you're just going to have to tune in because he does. I mean, like at the end of the day, though, he may not say it straight out from his mouth. It's quite obvious exactly what happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that, look, I mean, you can talk about the the curse is like this, it, but it's not an urban legend. All you got to do is look at the stats. Who can- Listen, there's no curse. <laughs> it, it's, it's the fact that either you have no idea who your fiance is at the time because yeah. you had just finished a reality show and there's no foundation because you haven't been able to create one. Yeah. Like, really, like it's a, it's like basic knowledge on a relationship. How strong are you two? Are you do you have open communication like there regardless? Right. Like no matter what, if you're already looking outside your relationship, that's a problem even before. Like it would happen anyway. Yeah. And I think, you know, this season, season 32, The Bachelorette just got engaged and she's going on the season. And listen, I, I always say this. They should also have the fiance on. Oh, as as a uh, as a competitor contestant, yes. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I I think it's you know look we've we've seen how many times it has ended up breaking up a couple from Bachelor Nation. It's just it's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's true. We we don't know each other. Yeah. Yet. And of course, there's no foundation. There's nothing there, and it's just and, like and okay. it's time consuming. Like I said, seven days a week. Like here you go. You're just able to showcase your relationship in public, and you're not even with each other. I had Sean Lowe on the podcast years ago when he was promoting something, and he said going on the show was a mis- you know looking back on it now he said it was a mistake. He's one of the few that managed to get through it, but he said don't think that we didn't have oh, some I major issues. Had, I know that they. I mean, I remember. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not. Listen, it's you better be so secure. And I do believe, and I love how people sometimes blame the pro. It has nothing to do with us. It's none of our business, actually. Like, what we do is, like, what I know for a fact, and I can say this for everybody, we are very professional. We work our freaking asses off, and all we're there to do is to get the result that the celebrity and contestant wants, and we are there. We have everyone's best interest at heart, because we know, too, that if it's not good at home, it ain't going to be good at work. Yeah, and these people, because... You know, if if they had been together for a year, then I think it would be a little more solid. These people are just getting off a show and have had very limited time in getting to know the person that they are literally engaged to. And then they have to spend, like you said, seven days a week, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day away from them. I mean, even if they're even if their partner is staying in L.A. with them, it doesn't matter. You're not spending any quality time. You're spending way more time with your pro than you are with your person. Absolutely. Look at Trista. Like she even felt like it was a short season week one and she talks about this and how like she believes she got why she got eliminated. But like this, she had nothing to compare it to. And here she has an assignment to do a rumba with another person who is not a woman, you know, and like with that, you know, obviously comes insecurity, regardless of whether they play for your team or not. It's irrelevant. Yeah, I think I remember specifically, if I remember correctly, one of the judges told her in their critique of her dance that it seemed like she didn't want to get close to her partner out of, you know, mm-hmm. fear of, oh, is my fiance going to be mad at me? You know, and-, and mind you, this is the way the pr- listen, you're going to have to just tune in. This is a great <laughs> episode because I'm not going to say it anymore. But like you're you're on to the right. Yes. Yeah. And what's even more fascinating about hearing this, because I never met Trista. Right. So I started a season two. I mean, what she all what she knew in just six weeks, right? Like it was such a different show in season one than it was season two. And 
because she's a reality star, like really, she understands the way that the show is. It's not about the dancing. Like I said, it's about the package. So if you have any type of tension in your package, you're most likely going home. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's very much about uh, the story. Hell, even um, two seasons ago, I remember, or is it last? God, I'm already forgetting. Was it 30 or 31 that Charlie and Mark won? Were they, did they win 30 or 31? That was last season. Last, last season. season, okay. Just the fact I remember the critique about not necessarily Charlie in general, but it doesn't even have to be if you have a significant other. Just a just a female having and Charlie was so young and having to open up and be very like sensual and sexual in your dance with a guy that you know, and Mark listen, is recently married. You know, it's like this weird. Well, no, but it's not that weird though. Because listen, for listen to this perspective. She's not trying to be sexy. Let me just put it this way. I am not trying to smile. It. This is a natural, and I believe some people have to put it on, and some people rehearse their faces, which I think is so, uh, it's the opposite of what I believe movement through music is. Hmm. This is not like, I'm going to smile on this beat and wink to this camera, camera three on this, on seven and eight. Like, that's not what we're, like, for most of us, we're not thinking like that. And it's the beautiful artistry when it comes to the choreography. The choreography, the partnering is what makes it look like it's sexy or it's sensual or it's intimate. And let me tell you, Mark and um, Charlie, first of all, I love that family, the, the D'Amelios, because yeah. they are very humble. Like, they are truly humble. And these girls, and I know this, you know, coming, like, talking to Charlie, for example, they they have anxiety, like, as we all definitely do. I'm not comparing it, but, like, this is not something that, you know, it's the choreography that calls for it. It's the mood in the music. It's that feel. It's musicality. You know, it's all of it. And like people are like, oh my God, it's so sexy. Like, no, it's not that it's sexy. Cause if you were to just put her there by herself with the same choreography, I bet you wouldn't say anything. You know, at the end of the day, it's between two people. That is our job. It's like seeing a sex scene in a movie. If you saw two people making love, and they had no chemistry, they wouldn't have been, you would have never seen that because the directs, the casting director would have changed the role, right? Like, this is the thing. We are convincing you, but it's only for those 90 seconds. And then we're like, lose my number afterwards. <laughs> lose, lose my number. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and trust me, I'm I'm with you on the D'Amelios because I was, you know, I have a niece that's right around that age. And I'm so that's how I know about that whole world. And it wasn't until I watched their show on Hulu where I was like, these girls could have easily gone off the deep end as well. Their parents have kept them really grounded. They've got good parents. Yeah. Yes. And the fact that I thought it was really cool that they put her mother on the season with her. Yeah. But regardless of what you think about Charlie's dance background, she's an excellent dancer, whatever. Who cares that she won? I'm not bothered by the fact that she won the show. Yeah. But when I watched the Hulu show, like that got me to know Charlie D'Amelio like a lot more. I mean, they had an episode where she literally pulled up to a store on somewhere in Hollywood and paparazzi's all out and she had a panic attack in the car. Like it shows the real Oh, I haven't person. seen it their show yet. Oh yeah. It's it's re I think I thought it was really really good. It's not just oh, let's just do some silly stuff to show our family. No, it's actually really really good because yeah. her sister suffers from anxiety and depression yep. as well. Yep. So yeah. um with you, uh, we talked about you know your sobriety. The other big thing in your life, obviously, that got a lot of um, media attention, obviously, was your 
your marriage and then subsequent divorce. Uh, you got you separated last February. Your divorce was finalized right around this time last year. You went to a public- it was actually finalized on the premiere. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is? oh, it was. It oh. was of last season, of last and I didn't season. even know because <laughs> I was obviously busy, and I found out through the press. <laughs> so obviously, this is you know, um, this is someone you dated uh, like 2006, 2007, and then it was maybe I guess on and off for ten years, or maybe you took ten years off. But then you end up getting married in 2019, and a lot of it is well documented online. I guess my question to you in regards to that whole relationship was, what's probably the biggest thing that you learned from it, whether it be social media aspect-wise or just relationship-wise, from uh, your marriage? One, don't go back to your exes. They're an ex (laughs) for a reason. That's, that's one two, of my favorite lines is you're, they're an ex for a reason. I love that line. Two, um, listen, you cannot, it's not that like you cannot change anybody. Like I know that much. Like at the end of the day, people evolve. That's what we are designed for. We're human beings and you either evolve and you stay curious and you want to con- constantly, you know, do you and do whatever whatever that means to you or you fight it and you know i think we were in two different places and i think that has a lot to do with maybe communication or i know it is but like there was also it's also the fact that like no matter what you have to take accountability like that is very important because again all you can do is change you like you are you are stuck with you for the rest of your life and until that is completely soaked into your brain subconsciously and consciously, you know, it's, it's just, it's, you just can't change anybody. So that's the thing. When you look back on it, I know you have made a comment about getting married. You, you did it to, to define your worth. When you look back on it, do you think that you never should have done it? Do you regret getting married? No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't regret anything. But did you? Th- but I, I mean, I learned. You, I mean, you did- I, I definitely probably would say yes if if I chose to live in a victim mentality, right? Like, but I believe, and in, including all the abuse and all of that, I with all of that trauma and all of the, if you want to label it, failures or the bad things that happen, I have been able to. I would say I've done a conscious job in just learning from what did I not do right? What did I do wrong? What did it, what did I do that went against my morals, values, and beliefs really? And then I learned from that. And then from there, you learn to love yourself and respect yourself. And with that comes boundaries. And I have to say, I've done a lot of growth and that's why I don't regret my marriage because I, where I am today, you know, is I would say someone who's very aware of um, just my reality and what's unfolding in front of me. And I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for my sobriety. And I just don't regret it because it's what shapes me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's a, it's a great, it's a great mindset to have. And I think it's, it's great that you, I mean, it is great that you don't regret uh, the marriage I mean, and you just learn honestly, from it. If you want to have a long life or if you want to have a life that is like full of abundance and positivity, you have to think like you can't worry about the past. Like it's done. When you were first out of that 
and, and your divorce was finalized, was there a mindset of, I don't think I ever want to get married again? Because I know now you say that you're open to it. Were you, were you at a point then where you're like, I, I can't do this again? Or were you always no, like, I'm not eh. even thinking like that. Cause I'm not even dating. So we're oh. <laughs> 10,000 steps ahead of me. Ah, okay. <laughs> I thought but I'm not opposed to anything. Listen, like okay. I moved my whole life recently, right? Like I lived in my house for 16 years and I also never thought that like I would ever leave the show and that alone was the worst divorce ever and I'm still grieving it. Like at the end of the day, look, this is life though. Life we evolve. Yeah, when I <laughs> whether was... you want to or not, if you want to fight it, then your life's going to be miserable. When I was watching your Instagram and you were talking about packing up, I was like I didn't know if you were leaving like California and you were moving to a different state or you were just moving to a new house. And I, you know, obviously found mm -hmm. out you didn't, you didn't move out of California. You just moved out of a house you had been in for, what'd you say? 16 years. Yeah. 16 years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's, it's a great story. You've been very open about it. And I think that's, that's really cool that you do because not a lot of people do. And you know, there's this stigma around divorce and it's like, Oh, baggage or whatever. And there's, it's, there's so much more to it to just, you know, pigeonhole somebody into, oh, they're divorced or whatever. But there's so much more to it. And I think, uh, like you said, you're better, uh, you know, on the other end coming out of that um, yeah. from that relationship. It seems like you learned a, a, a lot through it. And, you know, there are some snipes that have gone back and forth in the media. You were very <laughs> you were very cryptic in some of your TikToks. They were funny, though. But I mean, wait, hold on. But, it's but, your you life. Know, I've, had more than, I've had more than one ex, people. Oh, okay. I thought that I, thought, like, I, I don't understand like the assumption that it's always about the last person actually uh, that is I mean as if I if he wasn't the only person that I gave my you know like I've had yeah. a lot of exes <laughs> the timing yeah I think the timing of it was okay well then we must assume it's that I mean that show. alone that one line I just gave you I mean that is the thing it's like that is just people are so quick to judge and quick to assume but also how do you know I'm not just doing this for fun like this is just a fun trending TikTok sound people <laughs> let's not let's not read too much into it huh? we'll try not to um all right I wanted to I wanted to end with my rapid fire and this is all dancing with the stars related and this is all based on partners uh from the show so okay. all right here we go who improved the most from first rehearsal to last episode they were on? Rob Kardashian. What partner surprised you and they lasted longer than you initially thought they would? Jack Osborne. What season did you think you should have won that you didn't? Juan Pablo de Pache. Oh. Favorite routine, you, favorite routine you ever did? Um, I mean, there's a lot, Juan, but Juan Pablo. Oh, me and Gilles Marini's Argentine tango. Okay. Who was the funniest partner you ever had? Jack Osborne. Who was the partner you knew least about when you initially found out he was your partner? Every single person except for Ian Ziering. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was a huge fan. My mom only let me watch one hour of TV a week, and it was nine hundred two. It was nine hundred two and Um. Oh, okay. You, so you didn't, you didn't know about any of these, not one thing. Well, about I knew it. about Jack Osborne. I knew of Jack Osborne, yeah. but I had to Google Emmett Smith. I Googled everybody. So you didn't know Ocho Cinco or Rick Fox? No, or, no. I, I, I know you didn't know just Chris Jericho, but he, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and Chris was. I also didn't know who Emmett Smith was. I didn't know who, again, <laughs> come on. I, I live like a hermit over here. Like I'm, It was either dancing, because my mom was very strict with me, and then 
I obviously continued on this path of like, you know, I don't watch TV. I don't know what's going hot topics. I, there's no such thing in my life. I'm counting like five, six, seven, eight. If you count, if you count Cody, that would be eight. You had eight athletes in 25 seasons. That's a lot. That's actually, no, it's not. <laughs> it 25 is. seasons. Listen to yourself. 25 uh, seasons. Eight. I mean, what are you going to give me? There's only so many. I mean, I've also had my share of actors. I've had yeah. my share of politicians. I've had my share. Because, like, literally 25 seasons. Yeah. Eight. So you didn't know who any of these athletes were at all? No. Not even no T, Not even T.O.? You didn't know who T.O. No. was? Oh, wow. No. No idea. <laughs> Um, okay, and then finally, partner you keep in touch with the most? I would say Jack Osborne and AJ McLean. Nice. Okay. Well, you finished that rapid fire very, very quickly. Um, you know, because I do it on my show as well, and what uh, I hate the most when I do it is that, like, people are, like, hesitant. It's like, this is rapid fire, and there's no, like, Max did this. He was, continue, he continued on this, like, rant, and I'm like, Max, <laughs> it's called rapid fire. No need to overthink it. Just say a name. So he'd give an answer, and then get, he'd give an answer, a name, oh, and he then, he, then he'd go into an explanation, answer, and then he goes into he an explanation after good- it. He gave some good answers. Let me just tell you, this is at the end of his episode. But the, I, one of the rapid fire questions I asked him is, if you were to chance to say, like, if to apologize to one of your partners, who would it be? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I can't wait. I, this is this is the stuff. Yeah, this is the stuff that the fans of Dance with the Stars, the longtime yeah. fans, definitely want to hear. Hell, I'll ask you good, that. Good, clean, fun. Good, clean, fun. Let me ask you that. Can I ask you that as the last rapid fire question? If you had one uh-huh. thing to apologize to a former partner, who would it be? I already apologized to him, but it would be Ian Ziering. Oh, I think that there was something that came. Now that you mentioned that, there was something. It's on my YouTube channel. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely will. Um, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on. You're my first Dance with the Stars guest after watching the season for 31 seasons. I'd love to have more pros on. Thank you so much for coming on. I really really love your story. I really love that you've been so open about it. You've been an open book, and it definitely is going to – to reach others so again thank you so much you're a great interviewer so i'll tell the pro dancers to do your show because like a lot of people you know they have uh, people like us on and they haven't done their research so i appreciate it no thank you very much i really appreciate it and good luck with all your future endeavors and everyone check out sex lies and spray tans wherever you listen to your podcasts it just debuted this week you're gonna love it i know i'm gonna tune in and Mm because i want to hear what max has to say and among others so thanks again cheryl i really appreciate it thank you thank you so much bye-bye Thank you so much to Cheryl for coming on. Uh, I love the fact that she was my first ever professional dancer guest from Dancing with the Stars. Hopefully I'll have more on in the future. I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to talk about um, the show that I've watched literally since season one. As I mentioned uh, earlier today on the Daily Roundup, like I've watched every episode since season one of that show. I might not have watched it on the night it aired, but I've definitely watched it. Have I also fast-forwarded through things? Of course. But I'm very well aware of the popularity of that show, the fact that, you know, next week starts season number 32. It's next week, right? Regardless, it's a very popular show. I've always watched it, and yet I've never reached out to anybody. And... Cheryl, I remember seeing a story in the news with her back in May, reached out to her PR team. They said, we can try it later on this summer. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah, right. They're not going to respond to me. And they responded right away when I emailed them back in August. So at, at the time, I didn't know she had a podcast coming out. So 
Go check that out. Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. It's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Really good. She's had two episodes out already. One with Trista Sutter, who was on season one of Dance with the Stars, which a lot of people don't remember since there was only six contestants on. Cheryl wasn't even on season one. She came on aboard in, as you know, season two. And Heather Morris has been her other guest, who was on Glee. She was a backup dancer for Beyonce. And she talks about why she thought she was eliminated from Dance with the Stars. So check that out when you get a chance. But again, thank you so much to Cheryl. I really appreciate her being open and honest uh, about her past because it's not all, you know, daffodils and rainbows when talking about Cheryl and what she's been through. She's been through a lot in her life. And the fact that she's willing to talk about it, be open about it, be honest about it, not sugarcoat it. I love that about people. I love that about people who have had a tough past and are willing to talk about it. I'll have any of those people on. So thanks again to Cheryl. Thank you all for listening. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. For Cheryl Burke, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.